right. Well, good morning, church. Everybody doing good? Man, what a great morning of worship. God, it was good. It was just great songs this morning. And uh, that last song kind of sets up where we're going today a little bit. I just want you to know that you matter to God. And, uh, man, that, that last song was incredible. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And, uh, and I would say this. If you're watching online and, and that's the only thing you can do, we're good with that. But, hey, if you're able to be here, we would rather you be here. Wouldn't y'all? I mean, it's just something about being in the house of the Lord. It's just something about being able to worship with others in truth and in spirit. Don't miss out. Don't, you know, if you can be here, be here. That's just part of it. I mean, it's just part of it. When we gather, I was thinking earlier, you know, whenever I get to hear God's people singing these love songs back to Him, it ministers to me. I mean, it blesses me. I can only imagine what God feels like whenever He is hearing His people sing and worship in truth and in spirit, how it blesses His heart. And so, man, just if you can be here, be here. You know, there's something about it. You know, I've been out when we were on sabbatical and that we were in other churches and stuff. There was a couple times whenever I'd watch the service. And I, listen, it, we do a great service and we put a good product out there, but it's not the same. I'll just tell you that. If you can be here, be here. But if you got reasons, we understand. But I, we're in our series called You Matter. And You Matter to God. And I want you guys to understand that uh, we, we mean that. We're trying to convey this to you guys that you matter. And there's times that we hear just the opposite of that. We hear other things. We hear other voices. You know, we hear things all the time that say you don't matter or that you're not important or you're not enough or you're not good enough or you'll never make it or you'll never amount to anything. And we start listening to those other voices sometimes. But we want you to, we want you to hear this, that you matter. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, you matter. And God, God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you more than you could ever get your mind around. And, and one of our favorite verses, you know, for most of us is John three sixteen. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I hope whenever you read that, you realize I matter. Whenever you read that, you, you realize that's you he's talking to. You know, that he, he, God sent his only son. He allowed his, the innocence of Christ to go to the cross for you. That's how much God loves you. And, and I think sometimes, like I said, we listen to the enemy and we start believing the enemy more than we believe the God who created us, who knit us together in the secret place, and then also the God who purchased us with the blood of the precious lamb, his son, Jesus, so that we might have eternal life. And we listen to this other garbage out there and we begin to doubt if we matter. So maybe you're here today and you need to know you matter. And so look at this again. For This is how God Love the world. He gave His one and only Son so that whoever, that everyone who believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. But look at this next part. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Not to condemn, not to, but to save the world. That was His mission. Jesus was on mission to reach those that were lost. And He wanted to reach them. He wanted to equip them. He wanted to make disciples out of them. And that they would take that message, this message of the gospel, to every corner of the earth. And so he's invited us to be a part of that. And so we as the church, we as believers, as followers of Christ, we need to know that we matter. And not only do we matter enough that God loved us, he sent his son to die for us, but he, we matter to the message that he wants to send out. How we live our testimony, how we live out our faith, how we show his love, how we show his grace. God wants us to know we matter. We're part of that. We're, we're, it's a key part of it. And so this is something we can walk away with. We, we know that we matter when we look at that passage. That lets us know we matter. We matter to God. He loved us. He loves us. He still loves us. He wants to work in us. He wants to work through us. And we matter to the mission. We matter to what he has called the church to do. And so we can look at that and go, you know what? We matter. We know we matter. And so I hope that you can walk out of here today maybe feeling like, you know what? My life does matter. Maybe you walked in here today defeated. Oftentimes we have 
one whisper in our ear called the enemy. The enemy, Satan, loves to lie to us and tell us we don't matter. I've shared with you guys many times, man, I've struggled with insecurities my whole life, it seems like. You know, struggle with believing that I had value, believing that I was good enough, believing that I was smart enough, believing that I was whatever. And Satan will always want to kind of drop those little hints in there that you're not good enough, you're not good looking enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, you're not whatever. And we, and we begin to listen to those things, and all of a sudden we begin to believe the lies of the evil one that says that we're not enough. That we're not good enough. We're not whatever. And here's what Jesus said. Hey, listen, whenever Jesus says, when I come to you and I place within you the power of the Holy Spirit, not only will you be good enough, you'll be able to do great and mighty things. He says, I'm going to work in you. I'm going to work through you. And it's because of the power that we have in us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. The world says you don't have what it takes and you don't matter. I think about so many stories I've heard where someone says, hey, man, my life just doesn't matter. It does matter. And you've always got Satan, he's always telling you, hey, you're not lovable. You know, we are loved. We can read John three sixteen and say, you know what, I am loved. You know, I, I thought about it this week, I may put it on my, my mirror that, you know what, I am, I am lovable. I am loved by God. And maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to put on that, you know what, I am valued. God values me. I matter to Him, so therefore I matter. Maybe you just need to be told that, right? And there's some of you in this room that I think that too often we do listen to what Satan says. He drops his little lies in there. We begin to believe them. And we go, you know what, I, I don't matter. I'm unlovable. Maybe every relationship you've been in you know, seems to fall apart. And you go, that's it, I'm, I'm unlovable. That's what Satan keeps telling me, and I, I believe him. And if you believe things long enough, you begin, to, you begin to follow that pattern. I was just talking to a gentleman that walked in. I said, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, man, I'm surviving. I said, hey, man, if you've got Christ in, you've got to be, be more in surviving. He came that you might have abundant life. And if you just keep saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm just surviving, then you know what you are? You're just surviving. Because that's what you keep telling yourself. Because Satan's saying, hey, you're barely hanging in there. And what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, I want to believe what you say about me. God, I want to believe what your word says about me. Satan's going to continue to lie to us. This is what Jesus says about Satan in, in John eight forty four. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. He's an accuser. He accuses the brethren. He accuses Christians. He's constantly telling you, hey, you are not going to make a difference. Your witness is not worth anything. And he constantly tells you, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never make a difference. And we, we tend to sometimes believe that. We buy into that. You know, I believe that a lot of people have kind of wrote the church off. You know, that we begin to listen to the media. The media says, hey, you know, the church is on its way out. It's, it's, it's dying. It's not going to make it. You know, we begin to listen to authors who write and people who write articles and people who do podcasts say, you know, the church is on its way out. It's not reaching its next generation. It's not doing this. It's not doing that. But I'm just telling you what God's Word says, that nothing will stand against the church. Nothing. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So which one do you believe? Do you believe what all the media writes, what all the authors are writing, or do you believe what God's Word says? And so we've got to say, God, you know, if we need to change some things, God, we're, we're good with changing things. If we're not a healthy church, God, we want to be a healthy church. But God, we know what your word says, that the church will, it will prevail over anything, God, because it's the bride of Christ. And he has purchased it with his blood. He has redeemed the church. And so we've got to understand, God, we want revival to start in us and start here. God, we want to be focused on what you say and what you tell us, not the lies of the enemy. And so I'm just telling you, church, I'm just telling you, we've got to begin to go, what does God's word say? We get inundated with these lies and these untruths that are thrown at us. And before long, we start believing them. We believe we don't have a chance. We don't have a chance. I love what we read here in Second Corinthians. 
And, and, and this, this is Paul writing to the church, and he says, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons of, we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, there's, there's power from God on high, from divine power. That is divinity. That is God. Divine power that works in us. That we have the power to demolish strongholds. And I love that statement there, demolish strongholds. So when I think of demolish, I think of something being obliterated. I'm talking about just destroyed. You know what I'm saying? Like if you've ever shot, you know, if you ever shot a, a, some, the stuff that blows up, this tannerite or whatever, you shoot that, you blow it, you're like, man, you feel the percussion in your chest and it blows something, you go, man, that's pretty cool. Or if you watch a bomb or something go off and you see the, the, the impact, you see the damage, you go, man, that is impressive. Well, that's where, you know, the word that it talks about here, this, this power that we have within us, you know, it's where we get the word dynamite, that there is power at work within us. And so here what Paul is saying, we have this power, this working of the Holy Spirit within us to overcome these lies. To tear down these strongholds. And that's what a stronghold is. It is a lie that you have believed for long enough that you are trapped in it. And you're, you're just entangled in it. And so you believed it so long that now you believe the lie. Rather than the truth of God's word, you believe the lie. And so I love this passage here where he's saying, hey, listen, we don't have to buy into these lies. We have power working within us. Spirit power working within us. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have that working in us if we're a follower of Christ, if we're a believer. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the, the knowledge of God. We demolish that. We demolish that. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There are times, you know, that we... we I, I woke up this morning battling thoughts. I said it last Sunday. I wake up all the time. I, I go in through my day. I have to battle thoughts. I have to take that thought captive. Say, God, I'm taking that thought captive and I am literally... You're putting it under the obedience of Christ. I'm, I'm throwing it at the foot of the cross. I'm surrendering it to Christ because I, I don't need that in my mind. I don't need to focus on the flesh. I don't need to focus on this, this world. I need to focus on the Spirit and the kingdom and the, and the Son of God. Those are the things I need to focus on. And too often we are focused on everything but Jesus. I was thinking about that last song as we're singing it. I mean, if, if we could just kind of get our mind around how much God loves us. You know, as I sing that, I realize, you know what, man, if I could only love God just a fraction of how much He loves me. Loving Jesus, the Son of God, who went to the cross and bled out His precious blood for me. Do I really love Him? Or am I just thankful that He went to the cross? But do I love Him? Am I, am I moved in my spirit when I even think about who He is? Am I moved in my spirit when I think about the Father, who is all-powerful, who, who, who created all things and spoke them into existence, and that He wants a relationship with me? He wants to be, to be in right standing with Him. And the only way that I can be in right standing with God, who wants a relationship with me, is to put my faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and bled out His precious blood. And when I put my faith in Him, I'm made right with the Father. And then Jesus said, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to be placed within you. And you're going to be sealed with this Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is going to be a comforter. It's going to be a teacher. It's going to be a counselor. And He's going to work within you. And, and I'm just, I'm stepping back and I'm going, man, I'm just blown away by how much God loves me. And if He can love me that much, then why can't I love Him? With my life and with my gifts and my abilities and with my words and with my actions. He loves you just that much. And He gives us the power to overcome these arguments and these lies and all this junk. And we just have to take those thoughts captive and just say, I want to surrender those to Christ. I want to put them at the foot of the cross. I want them to be covered with the blood of Christ. And I want to walk in freedom and I want to think on the things of God. I want to think about the kingdom of God, not this world. We talked about Romans 12. You know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God change the way you think. And some of us in this room, man, we got stinking thinking. We need to get rid of that. And we need to say, God, I need you to change the way I think. 
change the way I think. Help me to think on the things of God from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. You might think, well, Mike, man, I'm going to be like a holy roller. Man, what's wrong with that? Man, you, yeah, you're walking with Jesus. You're holy. You're set apart. You're a light in a dark world. People are looking at you going, man, I want what they've got. And so maybe we say, you know what, I want to be that person who is filled with the power of God and the Spirit of God and that people come to me because they know that I know Jesus. That's a positive thing. Satan's told you, just, hey, listen, if you live like that, people will think you're weird. Man, here's the thing. It is weird in this day and age, man, for somebody to be walking with Christ, it seems like. Even Christians to be saying, man, I am sold out. I am, I am for Christ. But that's what the world's looking for. They're looking for a light. And we've got an opportunity to be that. But I'm just telling you, sometimes people need to know that they matter. I mean, this, this whole past week, it's, it's bothered me, you know, watching the news and watching, you know, the Af, you know, what's happening in Afghanistan. You know, I've been fasting for the news, but I kept hearing about Afghanistan. So I've read a few articles about what's going on. And it breaks my heart. And I know for our military families in this room that, uh, man, they have sacrificed and they have lost friends over there. And, and they've sent family members over there to serve. They need to know, that, you know what, they matter. Look at this. We need to let them know they matter. And so if you're, if you're a military family, if you would just raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. Just raise your hand. If you're a military family, if you served in the military, just raise your hand. Let's give it up for them. Say, hey, listen, man, you matter. You matter. And I know a lot of them are wrestling with that this week as they watch this debacle of how, you know, everything's falling apart in, in Afghanistan. They've worked so hard. They've built this infrastructure and all this stuff. And it's just collapsed. You go, what? Man, it didn't matter. I'm telling you, it did matter. You fought for freedom. And you have kept free people free. You, you saved people's lives. You have kept people alive. I'm telling you, what you did mattered. And those who stayed behind here and sacrificed so that a family member could go serve on the other side of the world to fight for the freedoms, that we can even gather in this church and worship, and we can sing songs, and we can pray. Man, we need to thank them and say, hey, listen, you matter. Well, you matter. And so too often what we do is we just say, well, maybe somebody else will tell them. But they need to know that they matter. I thought about many of them. I've been praying for our military veterans and those that have sacrificed so much to go, you know what? What you did mattered. You push back in the darkness. You push back in the darkness. And they need to hear that. I think about our first responders. You know, got people out here that put their life on the line to keep our neighborhood safe. And man, the whole world keeps saying, hey, listen, you don't really matter and all this stuff. And we need to say, you matter. And what you do matters. They need to hear that from the church. They need to hear that from us that you matter. And so the world is constantly telling lies, isn't it? It's always, there's all kinds of lies out there. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, it changes us forever and fills us with purpose. And so when someone puts their faith in Christ, when someone surrenders to Jesus, and that's really what it is. I mean, whenever, if you want to be saved, if you want to, hey, Mike, how do you get to this point? How do you, how do you get a relationship with God? How do, you, how do you accept Christ? I mean, how do you get to that point? Here's the thing. What you do is you surrender. You say, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my life. And I think what we do is we have this mentality, well, I just want a little bit of Jesus because I want to go to heaven. I, I, you know, I don't want to bust hell wide open. I just want to, I just want a little bit of Jesus. And I, you know, I, and I want to make sure that you know, everybody knows that hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. But that's not what Jesus is calling you to do. He's calling you to give up your life and say, Jesus, here I am. Use me. Jesus, here I am. Send me. Jesus, here I am. I think, I've been thinking about the disciples. We've been watching a series, where, just watching disciples, where they gave up everything. They gave up their careers. They gave up, you know, family. They left family behind to follow Christ. And so whenever you're saying, hey, listen, I just want a little bit of Jesus. You don't, you, you've missed the gospel. The gospel is we're not accepting Jesus Christ. We're receiving the gift of eternal life by surrendering to Jesus Christ. And we're saying, Jesus, I give you everything. Not just say, I'm going to just give you a little bit of Sunday morning. I'm going to give you a little bit of time. And I'm going to talk good about you when I'm around other Christians. But Jesus, I can't give you everything because I want to hold on to some of this stuff. And Jesus says, listen, you've got to be willing to let everything go. 
And you've got to say, Jesus, here I am. I surrender. And so here's the thing. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, it changes us forever from the inside out. You know, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And it fills us with purpose. And so whenever I gave my life to Christ, man, at the age of 19, Jesus began to do something inside of me that I couldn't put into words. But, man, it began to work its way out in the, in the way that I lived and the way that I thought and the way that I did things and how I treated people and how I looked at people. And God's still working those things out. But it changed me forever. I mean, my life was changed forever. And it filled me with a sense of purpose. That God has a purpose and a plan for my life. And I hope that if you're here today that you know God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You matter. You matter not only, again, to Him because He loves you, but because you matter to the mission that He gave us as a church. I believe that revival started last Sunday here in our church. I, I believe that revival started in this church last Sunday. You, you ever prayed for something a long time? You've been praying for it. And you go, you know, man, I, God, I, I'm, I'm praying for this. And you keep praying for it to come. And, and, you, and you go, you know, God, where are you at? When are you going to show up? God, when are you going to do what you've been, you know, I've been praying for? I've been praying for this for a long time. And, man, I'm just telling you, last Sunday, I feel like God just literally told, my, told me, he said, Mike, revival started today. Revival started today. Yeah, I, I think back to the guy who was in a flood, and, man, he, he, he told, had a neighbor come and say, listen, man, the floodwaters are coming up. Let's go ahead and go. And he said, man, I'm good. God's going to rescue me. He's like, well, all right, man, we'll see you. And so the guy, next guy comes up in a boat. He said, hey, dude, we're going to get you off the roof here. And he goes, no, 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 I'm good. God's going to rescue me. And they go, well, all right. Well, they move on, and the helicopter comes up, and the guy goes, Hey, you know, let's get you in. He goes, no, 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 God's going to rescue me. This guy drowns and he goes to heaven and, he, and he's like, God, I thought you were going to rescue me. He said, man, I sent a neighbor, a boat and a helicopter. What do you want? And I think that's the way we are sometimes. We go, God, we want revival to happen in our nation. God, we want revival to happen in our church. And we pray and we pray, but we don't see it when it begins to happen. And here's the thing, because we are called to move. That revival changes us. Remember, we, 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 when we're changed, whenever Jesus comes in our life, we can't stay the same. We got to be different, right? And so there's something different inside of me. That different works its way out in me. And I cannot stay the same and keep doing the same things and be a follower of Christ. And so I believe that revival started last Sunday. When revival comes to the church, the church will never be the same again. I pray that we won't be the same. And I believe that last week that God began to do something in the hearts of the people of Journey Church. And I believe that God began to ignite the fires of revival. I'm believing that. And even if that revival starts right here, I'm saying, God, I want a revival to take place in me. Personal revival. We talked about that. We need personal revival. And I believe that God began to work in the hearts of people in this room. And I believe that the fires were put in motion. And that we've got to be willing to say, God, fan into flame the fires of evangelism here in our church. God, fan into flame the fires of revival here in us. God, we don't want to stay the same. We celebrated 18 years or 17 years last week looking back. And I'm excited about those 17 years that we've accomplished some incredible things. But I'm more excited about what God has in store for us. God, what are you doing now? What is, God, we need to feel a fresh wind blowing in this church. God, we need to feel your spirit moving. We need to see lost souls being saved. Last Sunday, there were two people in this room that gave their life to Christ that were literally ushered into the kingdom of God, made a part of the family of God. And today we saw people get baptized. Madison, right? Got baptized today. I, I, we were, Laurie and I were sitting over here and I watched her walk in and hug people as she was going down through here who were here to support her. Greatest decision is to give your life to Christ and to follow Him in believer's baptism. That's obedience. I'm proud of you. Lane Parshaw, who was, Parshall, who was here earlier, got baptized. He, we've been going through a marriage counseling thing, a pre-marriage counseling for him and his uh, fiance. And, and I had an opportunity to lead Lane to, to Christ and to see him go through the waters of baptism. I'm like, you know what? They're part of the kingdom of God. And I told Lane the other night, we were sitting in a, in a session. I said, hey, listen, man. I said, this first step is obedience. 
I said, but here's the thing, God, that was the beginning. Now it's to follow him. It's to walk in obedience, to become the man that God's called you to be. You're not done. Just getting started. And so I'm proud of y'all for going public and making, letting everybody know, you know, Christ lives in me. And, and so it, we should be different. So whenever revival comes to the church, the church should never be the same again. And that we get excited about people giving their life to Christ. We get excited about people's souls being saved. We get excited about it to the point that it's more than just a hand clap, like, all right, that's good stuff. But we're like, praise God. That, that guy's been set free, or praise God, that woman has been changed. We need to be excited about people's lives being turned over to Christ and surrendered. Not that, hey, they got baptized and that's it. But, man, the same way that we do when we watch a football game or something. When our team scores, it ought to be that kind of enthusiasm over the things of God. Because too often, we're focused on what this world says rather than what God's Word says. There will be repentance, there will be immediate obedience, and there will be brokenness before the Lord when there's revival. When revival takes place, here's the thing about repentance. Repentance is a change of the way we've been thinking. And so, therefore, it's a change of the way we live. And so, when we really step into repentance and we are broken over our sin and we repent, we're saying, God, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. God, that is repentance. I come before you broken over my sin. Repentance is a change of life. Change the way I've been thinking. Therefore, I change the way I live. And so, there was, there's repentance. I believe there was repentance that took place in this room last week. And so, if therefore, if there's repentance, then there's, here's the thing. Here's the beginning, the embers, if you would, of revival. Then look at the next one. There will be immediate obedience. Last week, I gave these cards out. And I asked you guys, actually, sitting while I was sitting there, I said, you know what? That's not right. It says, I'm ready to make a difference. We're past ready. We need commitment. We need to know that we're committed. So I said, hey, scratch through that ready. And right on there, I'm committed to make a difference. And so I was, you know, I, I talked to you guys about it. And I said, hey, listen, I want you to walk these up. And I want you to lay them on the altar. If you're committed, if you're not just talking a bunch of junk, but if you're committed to use your gifts and your abilities to make a difference in the body of Christ, to help build up the body of Christ, I want to see you walk these down and lay these on the altar and say, God, I want to use my gifts to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I want to help build up the body of Christ. And one of the coolest things was in the service, is in one of the services, is I was saying that before we ever even opened up the invitation for anybody to come down. There was a lady right back there that got up and literally almost in a sprint came down here to put it on the altar. She was like, man, I can't get down there quick enough. And I shot her a message and I said, hey, I just want you to know, when you came down that aisle, the way that you did, that was immediate obedience. It was immediate obedience. It wasn't, hey, let me, God, let me talk about this. God, let me kind of weigh it out. Kind of, kind of, let me kind of figure out what I really want to do. Am I really going to commit? Am I really going to do anything? Am I just kind of going through the, you know, she was like, immediate obedience. And I said, hey, it ministered to me, and it ministered to our praise team. And so the praise team was up here singing. And when they saw her come down the way they did, I said, man, it just, ooh, hit them. Immediate obedience. Not delaying, not negotiating with God, but saying, God, if you say do it, I'm doing it. And so when I sent her that message, she messaged me back. She said, when I walked in the building, God began working with me and dealing with me about me serving. Before she ever even got in here, before she ever heard a song, or before she ever heard the message, God was dealing with her. And see, that's, that's what happens when revival takes place. Man, there's a spirit and there's a power at work that we can't even get our minds around. And he's calling us to obedience and brokenness before the Lord. That we're broken over our sin. We're not justifying our sin. We're not blaming it on somebody else. And we're not so focused on everybody else's sin. But we're broken over our sin. And we're broken to the point that we go, God, I want you to change me from the inside out. God, I need you to change my life. I need you to set me free. And so, therefore, that, that revival is what changes. That's what it looked like. Uh, let me just show you this. There's 150 cards, commitment cards, were placed on the altar last Sunday. And I want to kind of unpack this a little bit, some of the numbers. 85 said wherever needed. That is a miracle in itself right there. 
85 people say, hey, wherever needed, wherever you need me. First, first service, I had a lady sitting right back here. She said, hey, listen, and I got to talking to her, just full of energy, incredible young lady. And she was so excited. She said, hey, listen, I, I wasn't here last Sunday, but wherever you need me, I want to make a difference. I was like, man, that's what the church needs is that kind of heart. And there were 85 people who said, wherever needed, I will serve. I'm telling you, that's, that's the beginning of revival. That is, the, that is the fire of revival beginning to come into flame. And so 85 people, wherever needed. 22, 22 people said, hey, I'll serve in kids' ministry. Come on. Give it up. I mean, how about that? That's awesome. 22 people said, I want to go help kids learn what it means to be saved by Christ. I want to go do help with age-appropriate teaching so that these kids can understand the gospel at their age and they begin one day will put their faith in Christ. And then also that, that mom and dad can come in here and they can be... They can have, you know, their mind free. They can know that their child's being ministered to, and they can focus and hear the message. That's awesome. That's that's revival taking place, folks. Fifteen said, "Hey, I want to work in worship and production ministry." They said, "Hey, I want to use my gifts, my skills, my ability." And our our, our tech team back there was like, "Yes, yes, finally we got some people because we're a little thin there." But it's because people are going to have to step up and start doing something using their gifts and their abilities. Nine life group leaders. How, how awesome is that? Nine people said, hey, I want to be a life group leader. I want people to come into my home. I want them to sit around the Word of God. I want to be able to teach them what God is teaching me. I want to share with them what God is teaching me. I want to pray with them. I want to pray over their family. I want to encourage them. I want them to feel like, you know what, they are accepted, they are loved, and this is a place where they can gather. That's awesome. That's where life change will take place. Look at this one. Nineteen turned in a card that did not check a box. I checked it for you. You know what it is? It's, hey, wherever needed. If you didn't mark it, it's wherever needed. That means we got 104 people that said, hey, I will serve wherever needed. I will serve wherever needed. And let me tell you, that is, that's a miracle in itself. We live in a culture that nobody wants to commit to anything. Nobody wants to honor anything. They don't want to honor the covenant of marriage. They don't want to honor a contract. They don't want to honor anything. They don't want to honor their word. And God's called 104 people to say, man, wherever it's needed, I'll serve. I'll just tell you this. I, asked, I told our staff this past week, I said, hey, listen, that's priority number one. I want you to call every card. I want you to talk to somebody. So if you didn't get a phone call, either your voicemail is full or either you need to call us back and say, hey, listen, nobody call me. We want, to, we want to connect with you. And a lot of you need to clean out your voicemail, I'm just saying. But here's the thing. We want you to serve. We want to see you make a difference. And there may be some of you here to say, hey, Mike, I wasn't here last week. Well, then take out that card. Go up, look up at the top. Scratch out ready and say, I'm committed to make a difference. Put your name on there. And, in a, and when we get to the end of the service, you can walk up and lay it on the altar and say, God, here I am. Use me. And so that's, that's how God began to work revival in our church last week. I'm just saying, those are the, those are the elements of revival. And so we as a church have got to believe that revival is taking place in our church. Not just keep praying for it, not look for it, but say, we're going to embrace it and say, God, we believe that revival is taking place here. God, we're going to embrace that. And God, we want to be a part of that. And God, I want to be focused on what you want me to be focused on. Revival is when the presence of God comes upon God's people and they experience life as they've never experienced it before. Revival is when the presence of God begins to fall on his people and they go, you know what? I can't stay the way that I am. I'm undone. I'm broken. I need to be healed. I need to be set free. And I want what God has for me. And I want to be a part of the kingdom. I want to move forward. I want to see, I want to see others set free. I want to see other people come to know Christ. I want to celebrate people going through the waters of baptism. And so when revival falls on the church, I'm just telling you, it begins to ignite a passion within us. Man, we cannot get enough of people's lives being changed. That's what Jesus was all about. We talked about this passage last week. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. That passage is pretty clear. It's pretty involved. And I talked about this last week. There's too many Christians that are kind of watching the scoreboard. You know, we're watching the scoreboard and the media says we're losing. And, the, you know, the writers say we're losing. And, you know, and everybody around, you know, is, is saying, hey, listen, it's over and we won't make it. And Christians are, they're losing. They're being persecuted. Listen, there are people in Afghanistan that literally are, they're losing their life, but they're standing, still standing for their faith. We haven't experienced that kind of persecution here yet. And so many of us have just said, hey, you know what, we're, we're losing. No, 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 you have a loser mentality is what you have. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus has said that we win. And so I believe him. So we've got to say, you know what, I'm not going to buy into what everything else is saying. I'm saying, you know what, I'm, I'm focused on what God says. And God says, you know what, the church wins. And we don't, we're, we're not praying for victory. We stand in victory. Victory has already been won. The cross has already determined that. And so we've got to walk in that. But look at this again. It says, if my people will humble themselves, it means, it means you dying to self. It ain't about you. It ain't about your agenda. It's about what God wants and God's desire. It's about honoring Christ. It's about pointing towards Jesus. It's not about my agenda. It's about saying, God, I want what you want. God, I desire what you want. Not what everybody else wants. And it's not about any, like my job is not to appease any of you guys. My job is to focus on Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to love you with everything that's in me and I want to follow you and I want to honor you in every possible way. And my thing is to love you, but it's not to appease you. And I want you to understand, you, I, both, we have to die to what we want and say, God, it's not about my agenda. But God, it's what you want. It's your church. It's not my church. So let's, let's look at this again. So God is looking for a people that will pray. Let me tell you, we need people that will pray. And I'm not talking about just pray, you know, whisper a little prayer. I'm not people that will go get on their knees and pray for the church. That they will pray the fires of heaven down on our church. That they will pray for our church to have eyes to see the needs around us. And that we will go out with a ministry mentality when we walk out of these doors. We're not just looking for a restaurant to eat at. We're looking for somebody to go share the gospel with. We walk out of here, we're on the mission that Jesus gave us. And we're going, God, I want to go out and make a difference. God, I want to go share the good news with somebody. God, I want to see somebody's life impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not about just going through my agenda. Hey, I get to go fishing this afternoon or I get to go do whatever. But God, I want to be on mission. And when the church buys into that mentality that Jesus has already cast before us, that's whenever we begin to see the fires of revival. And so God is looking for a people that will pray. And I'll just tell you, man, I've been praying all day long and all week long that God would move in the hearts of his people. I've been praying for the lost to be here today, for those that don't have hope to be here today, that they'll walk out of here found, they'll walk out of here saved, they'll walk out of here a child of God. They will walk out of here going, you know what, there is hope. And so, church, I need you praying with me. We pray every week for God to save souls. We pray every week for God to give us eyes. We pray every week for God to give us opportunities. We pray every week for God to provide the resources. We pray every week for God to just show us, hey, listen, let's get outside of these walls and let's be a church that is missions-minded. And we're not just sending money over to Africa, but we're going into our neighborhoods and we want to reach people with the gospel message. So God is looking for a people that will pray. He's looking for a people that will serve. 150 people said last week I will serve. I'm committed to serve. Some have already turned in cars. Here's some over here from the first service. And maybe there's some of you that say, you know what, I will commit to serve. God's looking for those people that will serve, that will wash the feet of their neighbors, that will help people that need, that need help, that will offer help to those who are saying, I don't have any hope. And we say, man, here's help. And they go, you know what, maybe I have a little hope because you have helped me. And so we need, God is looking for people that will serve. God is looking for a people that are committed. I'm just telling you, commitment is not popular in this day and age. And some of you struggle with commitment. 
But I'm just telling you, God is looking for a committed heart, a committed soul. One that says, you know what, I'm committed to the kingdom of God. I'm committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. I'm committed to what He desires. It's not about me. And, and, and if it costs me my life, I'm all in. I think about the disciples as they followed Christ. Man, they, they didn't know how their life was going to end, and many of them, it cost them their life. And so when we say, God, I give you everything, we surrender all. And here's the last one. God is looking for a people that trust Him and won't revival. God is looking for a people that trust Him. So let me ask you, do you trust God or do you trust man? Do you trust God or do you trust the world? Do you really trust God? Because I've had to ask myself that a lot. God, have I put more trust in men or people than I have in you, God? And so God, we got, God is looking for a, a people that will trust Him and that won't revival. And look at this. Revival happens in the church when we surrender our agenda for Jesus' mission. It has to start there. It's not about my agenda. It's not about your agenda. It's about the mission. And the mission is this. It's Matthew chapter 28. It's the Great Commission. Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus says, hey, I'm over all things. He, he, has, he has authority over all things. He says, so this is what I'm about, guys. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we did, right? Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in the newness of life. And so here's the thing. That's the beginning. And now it's to disciple. It's to teach and to equip and to make them disciples of Christ. That will literally go out and do the same thing. So my prayer is that Madison one day will lead somebody to Christ. Because she has learned the way. She'll lead them to Christ. And maybe she'll have the opportunity to say, Hey, listen. Have you ever followed Christ in believer's baptism? And then baptize them. How awesome would that be? That's the Great Commission, guys. That's what we're supposed to do. That's a golf clap. Y'all can do better than that. Come on. God deserves better than that. And so here's the thing is whenever someone is changed by the power of God, it changes everything about them. And so she's been baptized into that. So baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we've got to be able to say, God, I want that to be the agenda. God, I want your agenda to be my agenda. And I want to die to mine. It's not about my retirement. It's not about my income. It's not about my career. It's not about any of this stuff, God. It's about the kingdom of God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will be added to you. God, I want to seek you first. I want to focus on you. I want you to be the very focus of my life. And whenever we focus on Jesus and we love him with everything that's in us, man, it affects everything else. And everything else is better. Let's talk about life in the spirit. You know, we talk about God the Father. We talk about the Son who, who went to the cross. Who We see the humanity of God in Jesus. But, man, the power of the Spirit is available to us. And too often, so many Christians are just, man, we're powerless. We don't have any power at work in us. Because we don't focus on what God can do. We focus on what the world says we can't do. But I want you to read with me what it says in Romans. I've been, re- I've been living in Romans 8 here lately. And maybe you ought to go home and read Romans 8 and just listen to how... We are to be focused on the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh, not the, not the things of this world. He says, so, that now, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who have put their faith in Christ. You, you have been purchased with a price. You have been redeemed. You have been restored, if you will. God has redeemed you. He has saved you. And for every believer in this room or everybody that's watching online that you have put your faith in Christ, there is no condemnation. You are not condemned. You are redeemed. You're saved. And now, and, and because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin. Did you, did you read that? Look at that again. And because you belong to Him, because I belong to Christ, because I am His, 
the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So therefore, I do not have to sin. I do not have to bow down to the temptations that come to me. God provides a way out. God says, you don't have to go there. But I have this power that is at work within me. But why is it that so many believers and Christians don't walk in that authority? And they, they just believe, no, I've got to give in this. I've got to do this. No, you don't. It's because you believe in the liar. You believe in the father of all lies. And here the word of God is telling you, you have been set free. You no longer have to live like that. You, you can change the way you think. Therefore, you will change the way you live. So you've been set free. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. We couldn't follow the law well enough. It, it just revealed how our need for a Savior. He sent His own Son in, in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. Do you read that? Declared an end to sin's control in my life? You don't have to live as a captive. You don't have to live as a slave. You don't have to live the way that you're living if you have Christ living within you. You don't have to be a gossip. You don't have to be a liar. You don't have to be a cheat. You don't have to be any of that. You can be godly. You can be holy. You can be set apart. Because of the power that God had worked within us. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. So let me ask you, what are you following? Are you following the Spirit of God? Are you pursuing the Spirit of God? Are you led by the Spirit of God? Are you led by the flesh? Are you following the desires of this world? Are you trying to live up to the standard that the world has set or what God says we're to experience? Why don't you look at this, this next passage here as we move into this. Further down in Romans 8. It says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Paul said, Hey, listen, man, what wonderful things. Man, how awesome is this? Is what he's saying. He's going, Hey, dude, this is incredible. If God is for us, who could be against us? There's no power in this galaxy. There's nothing around here that can compare to Him. If He is for us, who could be against us? Satan lies and tells you that, you know what, God can't do this, God can't do that. But Paul says, man, yes, he can. If he is for us, who could be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He gives us everything we need. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. God gave us right standing when we surrendered our life to Christ and we received the gift of salvation by faith. Not by works, but by faith. He put us in right standing. And who, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And look at what it says. Pleading for us. He's pleading. Have you ever, you ever seen somebody pleading? I mean, they're begging. They're beseeching. Paul says, I, bleed, I, I, I beseech you. I beg you, man, to put your faith in Christ. I feel like every Sunday that's what I do with you guys. Man, I'm begging you to put your faith in Christ. I'm begging. I'm pleading with you to trust him. And here it says that Jesus is pleading on our behalf. He's pleading for us before the Father. He's saying, Father, man, God, meet their need. Father, co- co- you know, correct that thinking that they've got, that bad thinking. God, change their mind. He's pleading before the Father because He loves you. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Does it mean that God doesn't love the people in Afghanistan because they're being persecuted? No, He loves them. He loves them. If we go through tough times, does that mean that God doesn't love me? No, no. He's there with you. Oftentimes, He's carrying you. As the Scriptures say, for your sake we are being killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. 
No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Victory. Are you walking in victory or are you walking in defeat? Are you walking in the truth or are you walking in lies? What are you believing? Look at this last part. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Is that good news? Nothing can separate us from God's love. He loves you, man. He, you matter. You matter. He cares about you. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from His love. You matter. Now, here's the thing. Let me ask you this. Do you love Him enough to trust Him? Do you love Him enough to follow Him? Do you love Him enough to surrender? Because there's no question about His love. But do you love Him? And so today... Let today be a day of surrender. Maybe today you surrender. You say, Jesus, I give, I give you everything. I give you my life. I give you my career. I give you my family. I give you my marriage. I give you my kids. God, I give you my struggles. God, I give you my addiction. God, I give you everything. I surrender everything to you. God, will you, will you fill me with your power? Will you set me free? He says, man, I've I filled you with my power. And yes, I can set you free. You've got to trust me. You've got to believe. You've got to follow me. So let today be a day of surrender. Here's another one. Let today be a day of new beginnings. You always think about someone who's coming out of prison. I think about a prisoner being set free. Don't you know whenever they walk out, they think, you know what, man, I'm going to be different from this point forward. They're thinking, I'm looking for, for a new beginning. And I believe that there's some people in this room, maybe some people online, they're going, you know what, today's going to be a new, a, a new beginning for me. Today's going to be a day of freedom. I'm tired of being a captive. I want to be set free. And I'm believing with everything that's in me that Jesus is going to set me free. And that today, moving forward, I'm going to believe the truth of God's Word and I'm going to quit believing the lies and I'm going to walk in that freedom. And so today could be a day of new beginnings. And here's the last one. Let today be a day of believing God's truth. You may have heard God's truth. You may have read God's truth. But do you believe it? Sometimes that's where the application comes in. We've got to believe. We've got to trust. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you just to just, just ask God to God, reveal the condition of my heart. There are many of you in this room, you know, you know what, Mike, I've been, I've been believing the lies way more than I've been believing God's truth. Raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I've been believing the lies. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I've been believing lies. See hands everywhere. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never received salvation. You've never surrendered to Christ. I want to give you that opportunity. Last week we had a couple people in this room put their faith in Christ. This morning in their first service we had a young man give his life to Christ. I love being able to say, hey, welcome home. Welcome to the family. And so maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you've not put your faith in Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. I want to give you that opportunity. It's just like this. Just say, Jesus... I believe that you are the Son of God. You're the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And I want to ask you to come and live within me. Jesus, I want you to live in me and through me. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I've been, I've been believing lies for too long. I want to live according to your word. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That is repentance. And so if you just prayed that prayer, you said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to save me. I want to, I want to repent. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. If you just prayed that prayer... Just raise your hand and say, Mike, I, I just prayed that prayer. I just ask Christ to come into my life. Anybody, just raise your hand. Anybody, maybe online, if you did, text us and let us know. We want to walk with you. Anybody. It tells me there's a lot of believers in the room here. 
So let me ask you, do you believe God's Word? Do you, do you believe God's Word or are you listening to the lies? So I want, to, I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Today we're, we're going to have an opportunity to just come to the altar. And maybe you're, you weren't here last week and you've taken a card and you filled it out. And you want to come down and just lay it on the altar. You can come down and do that. But I believe that God is calling some of you to repentance today. I believe that God is calling you some, some of you to immediate obedience today. And maybe some of you that, man, you've been holding on to some stuff and you need to let it go. And you need to lay it on the altar. And so I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. They're going to be on the sides here. Pastor West is fixing to lead us in a song. And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond because I believe that God is, I believe that revival is happening in our church and I believe that He is calling some of you to repentance. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. There's something about marking that moment. There's something about getting up out of your chair, something about going down and getting on your knees at an altar and laying, it's, a, it's an act of surrender. And let me tell you, I can tell you what, right now, Satan's lying to some of you. Hey, listen, man, don't walk down there. Everybody's going to wonder what's wrong with you. Hey, don't get up and go down there. You don't have to do it. You can stay in your seat. And God is saying, hey, listen, I want you to go get on your face before me, and I want you to get on the altar. So who are you going to listen to today? Are you going to listen to the liar, or are you going to listen to the truth? Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, I pray that today they will give you their life. I want to ask you to stand. Pastor Wes is going to, going to lead us in this song. And as he's leading us, you respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. The altar is open. There's prayer teams here on the side that will pray with you. If you need somebody to pray, you might, you might say, Mike, I don't know what to pray for. They will help you. They'll pray with you. They'll pray over you. Maybe you just need somebody to lay their hands on you and pray over you. Then let them pray over you. But don't sit there and let, God, let, let Satan talk you out of what God wants to do in your life right now. You respond as God leads. Please, Pastor.
church, and I want to say this, we as a church have got to say, yes, we will. That when we walk out of here, yes, we will be on mission. Yes, we will share our faith. Yes, we will make disciples. Yes, we will get involved in a life group. Yes, we will serve. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for us to step up and do our part. We are to be a city on a hill. We're to be a light in this world. And let's, let's just say, yes, God, we will be that church. We will be that church. Father, I pray that you've been honored today and glorified. Father, as we, as we close out this service, God, with just worship one last time. And a few announcements, and God, as we give back the gifts that you've given to us, and God, as we return the tithe. Father, I pray that you've been honored today. And God, I pray that you would fan into flame the fire of revival in this church. And we'd be able to look back to these last couple of Sundays and realize, God, that was the moment that you began to ignite it. Father, I thank you for the 150 that brought cars down last week. I pray for those that brought them down this week. God, that we would honor the commitment. And we would be your hands, and we would be your feet, and we'd be your voice. God, we would be your, we would be your, your witnesses, Lord God, wherever you send us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for using us in Jesus' name.